Welcome to Church Project. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, we've been going through uh, books. That's what we do, expository teaching. But we took a pause from that. In the last few months, we've been going through the parables of Jesus Christ. And so we open up the scripture and we see that Jesus sat with people and he, and he told stories. And oftentimes, this was his favorite way of teaching. A third of Jesus' teachings were parables, were stories, because he knew he was talking to people like me, and it's like, ah, oh, I get that, like, I can understand that story, and so we've been looking at these parables, and as we read these parables, it's important that we each understand, and we kind of filter it through this, that when Jesus taught, he taught to humanity, we're still humans, we still have the same blood, and so his original intent for the people of that time is still the intent in today. Like the message doesn't change from when Jesus spoke it to now. And so if we would, let's just put up a chair right here and have Jesus sit down and teach us today. And I pray that as he does that and our hearts are open and our ears are listening to what Jesus has and what he's teaching us in this parable, that we would say, God, you're the most important thing in my life. Like without you, I'm nothing. And so I declare that I want to sit under your lordship. You're the Lord of my life. And may there be nothing greater than who you are in my life. And so I pray today that as maybe this message can convict some of us, that we would say, oh God, I'm, I'm, I'm out of your perfect will in my life in this, and I'm going to come under your lordship. Whatever it looks like to change our actions, our words, or whatever we do, I pray that if God convicts us in this place, that we would say, God, I move to be where you want me to be. So that's my prayer for me today. If you want to say that prayer, go ahead. That's my prayer, is that we would say, God, I want to be more like you today. I want to see the world the way that you see the world. I want to love the world the way that you love the world. And God, I declare that over my life today. So I want to, I want to pray this over us. Jesus, help me and help us to submit to your kingdom and your authority in every area of my life. And as you say in Psalms 25, 4 through 5, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your path. Guide us in your truth and teach us, for you are God, our Savior, and our hope is in you all day long. Amen. Okay, this parable is good. So if you would, open up your Bible. We're looking at the wicked tenant, and that is in Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 33 and going through 46. Okay, it's the wicked tenant that Jesus is talking about. Uh, you can open up your YouVersion Bible app and follow the notes for this message there on there as well. And also, just so you know, on the YouVersion Bible app, we keep those open all week long. So when you go to your house church, you can open up those notes and there's great conversation to have over this scripture. So I, I want to start out and, and just kind of ask you this. Have you ever gone out of your way to help someone? Like gone out of your way? only to get beat up for helping them or to get slain for helping them. Like you said, out of kindness in my heart, I'm going to go help, I'm going to go do, I'm going to be whatever, but only to get beat up and slain at the end of that. Don't raise your hand, okay? I can think of a time when uh, I was a pastor in the Woodlands, Texas, and, and we had a we had, I don't know, a lot of students. So our youth ministry, we took about 800 students uh, to this area, and we would do all these service projects. And, and one of these service projects is we went to a, a trailer home, 
in the trailer home, the, the woman was in a wheelchair, and her wheelchair ramp was kind of decaying and falling apart, not safe. I mean, it was like X Games stuff, right? And so what we did is, is we would go, we went and we took out the, the ramp, bought all new wood, and was, was building that up. Good, noble, right? Like, I think this is good. Like, we're, we're serving, which is great. Except the whole time, and maybe this just shows how bitter I am and how bad I am, okay? Except the whole time, uh, her sons, and they're like late teens and early 20s, pretty strong, just sitting there drinking drinks, sitting there watching us work the whole time, uh, pointing out all the nitty things that we were doing wrong because, you know, we're just teenagers with hammers and trying to build this ramp the best that we can. I mean, never once a thank you, never once in anything, except they were critical of all of our work, and we just left. Like, that, that stunk. That was terrible. Like, we didn't need to be there. We didn't need to be doing this, right? But we're doing it out of the kindness of our heart, only to get slain and beat up and leaving feeling, like, worse than we even showed up, wondering if they even cared that we were there. Like, whoa, whoa, right? Have you ever helped someone or been in this scenario where you're, like, out of your kindness, you thought you were speaking a good word or doing a good deed only to get slain and beat up. I, I imagine that if, that if you're loving God and you're paying attention to his word, that maybe daily Jesus is going to be asking us to say something or do something that maybe be even a little uncomfortable for us and it may be received or it may not be received and we may or may not get beat up because of that thing that we obey God in. So as Christians... If you haven't experienced this, you will experience this, and this parable speaks of this today. So let's get in this, and let's, let's, let's read this parable first, and then start picking it apart a little bit. Um, it is Matthew chapter 21, verses 31 through 46. I'll go ahead and read it. You can follow along, and then we'll, and we'll start talking about it. Jesus says, verse 33, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent another servant to them, more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. Verse 38. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. And Jesus said to them, have you never read the scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parable, they knew he was talking about them. 
They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. Hmm. What a good parable. And if you get into this parable and you begin to study it and maybe read other commentaries about this, you're soon going to find out that this is one of the most debated and complex parables of all that Jesus has taught. You can read for hours and hours of the thoughts and the debates are over, all, all over the place as to what's happening and what Jesus is saying in here. I want to set up a little bit of context for us. Jesus is speaking to the Jewish religious authorities of the day. He's specifically speaking to those that are in charge of the temple, the place where you go and you worship. He's speaking. This is the context. This is the crowd that Jesus is speaking to. And this is one of the most complicated parables that we can read through. You can look at it at three, in three of the other synoptic gospels, and they kind of say the same story, but they have variances in their words and the way that they're presenting this story. We're going to stay, though, this morning right in the middle lane. Is that okay? Like, we're going to stay right in the middle lane. I'm going to let you venture out into the right lane and, and the left lane if you want to go really speedy fast, right? And you can go and study this on your own and read, and I encourage you to do so. But I'm going to stay right in the middle lane today. It's a complex parable. And what I see when I read these passages, and maybe the few years that, that I've been a Christian, and maybe the Holy Spirit prompting in my heart and my mind, as I contemplate and I consider what Jesus is teaching here, what I see is how patient and I see how direct God is. And Jesus, as, as he's teaching this, I see how patient Jesus is and how direct he is. I see that he's a patient God. I see in my life, and I see in this story, and I see in what we're going to study in a little bit, that he's a gracious God, man, his grace. Amen. Like, I deserve to be smited. Is that a word? Smitted, smited, smutted. What did, I don't know. Smoted? Wiped off. <laughs> I deserve it. But grace is the opposite. It's like God's like, yeah, I could smote you. <laughs> I think it was actually smite you there. I don't know. I could wipe you out. I'm not going to. I love you. And I can see in this passage that God is so patient, so gracious, and yet I also see that God is just. That he's like, I'm a good God, and because I'm a good God, I keep my word, and because I keep my word, you can't keep going that way, man. I'm a just God. And so... I don't know how God is going to find you this morning, and I don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to be teaching you this morning, but I, I pray that the filter that you see today is this God that's just so gracious and so loving and so patient and a just God. And then if he speaks to us, that we would align our life with him, and we would know because he loves us, he's a just God. Amen? So when I see this parable, you also need to look at the context of the parables that's happening right now. Like Jesus is teaching in a specific section of, 
of all this, and we've looked through it a couple weeks, that a few weeks ago, he was, he's, he's talking in this section just directly to, um, the, the, uh, about Israel, his chosen people, okay? So for a few weeks ago, we looked at the barren tree, which he was speaking to the Israelite people. Um, we looked at the two sons last week. Today, we're looking at the wicked tenets, this, that, and then next week, we're looking at the wedding banquet and the feast, and all four of these are teaching directly to Israel during that time, okay? So here's the section that's happening, and this is the context that I want to set us up in. If you would, go to verse 33 and verse 34. He says, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. Action one. He put a wall around it. Action. Dug a wine press in it. Action. Built a watchtower. Action. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and Move to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. And what I see in verse 33 and 34 is this elaborate preparation by the landowner. I don't know what the land looked like. Just, just get your imagination in your head. I don't know what it looked like before. Maybe it was like Greeley before water, right, Bill? Like just a dry, nothing land. And then, and then Horace comes along, and we got water, and we live in this lush, lush o- oasis, right? Because there's intentionality to a dry land. And so I don't know what this land looks like, but there's intentionality by the landowner to make it better. Pause. I don't want to get all crazy and make the story make something different, but what did your land look like before Jesus Come on, man. I say this occasionally, but your face should be smiling right now. What did you look like before the love of Jesus in your life, man? What does your land look like? Was it dry? Was it barren? Is it lush now? Is it overflowing of goodness? Amen. So we see in verse 33 and 34 this elaborate preparation by the landowner. Then we get down to verse 38 and 39, and here's what I want to say in this. This life, this world is hard. This world is tough. People are selfish, man. Would you agree? Like, I'm selfish. People are selfish. And look in verse 38 and 39. When the tenants saw the sun, they said to each other, right on. This is our opportunity. Here comes the heir. Let's kill him. Take his inheritance. They took him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Does this sound like the world we kind of live in? This world is tough. This world is really, really hard. Yeah, and humanity can be very, very selfish. Let's go down to verse 43. I'm going to skip down. Verse 42, by the way, is a reference to Psalms 118, verse 22. And so Jesus is referring to the Psalms here. And we get to verse 43. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. And we see in verse 43, when he refers to the people, he's referring to the future generation of the nation of Israel. And he's also referring to the Gentiles. And congratulations, we are that. Jesus says, all that that came before, I didn't see fruit. So what am I going to do? I'm going to give this vineyard to people. And I'm going to give it to people in Greeley, Colorado. 
And I'm going to say, I'm going to give you so much, man. The land that you live in, in America, God bless America, like we're blessed to be here. There's so much that's required of us. Like we're Christians, we're healthy. Some of us are chewing gum because Jensen gave it to us this morning. Like that's a blessing, man. We're here. And Jesus is saying, you're here because I chose to put you here. You're alive because I chose to bring you here. And we've been adopted as sons and daughters into his family. He says, I'm a good, good God. You're welcome for all the blessings in your life. We see in verse 44, and I wanna, I wanna definitely point this out, that I, th- I think this is like the verse of this parable. In verse 44, it says, anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. Who do you think this stone is? It's okay to talk. Yeah. This is what Kyle or Klein Snodgrass says. What is clear is that this stone quotation both reveals the meaning of the parable and moves beyond the parable. So when you think about this verse in the context of this parable, the meaning of this parable is not us. The meaning of the parable is Jesus. And it moves beyond the context where we stop looking at us and we start looking at Jesus and who he is. It's the meaning of the parable and it compels us beyond the parable to say this is all about Jesus. What he's prepared, the vineyard he's given us, all the blessings in our life. Why? It's from Jesus and it's for Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's not even about us. What would life look like if it was about us? If we lived our every day like we were the only people on the earth, what would it look like? Well, I'll tell you what would it look like. If I'm living in a rented vineyard and I'm making pretty good money, but I see an opportunity to kill the person that's going to own this land, I'm going to kill him. Why? Because it's about me. I thank God that life is not about Aaron Havens because it would be an ugly, ugly world. I thank God that he's loved me so much to be gracious, to be super patient, and to be just in my life. When I look at this parable today, I was reminded this morning of Philippians 2, verses 10 through 12. And I think this is really applicable today. That it, and this is what Philippians 2, 10 through 12 says. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. It don't matter if you're living for you. It don't matter what the world's like, if it's wicked, if it's gracious or whatever. At the end of the day, all knees will bow and point and say, Jesus is the Lord. So we can continue to live the way that we want to live, just kind of doing our own thing, ignoring God, going from one fleeting thing to the next. Or we can, like Mike says, we can notice that when God sends sunlight through a glass and we see the blue color on the table, notice that God is good. And it's about God and it's from God. When I look at this parable, I thank God that he stood in the gap for us. And as the garden, the gardener sends his son, will we gladly send fruit back? And say, God, I'm going to toil this land. I'm going to work this land. I'm so thankful that you let me be in this land. And it is such a joy to produce fruit.
And so when you come, it's not like, God, I want this land, and it's about me, but it's just like the opposite. You get to go, God, look, this land, this life that you've given me, all the blessings, everything that you've given me, I've worked it so hard, I've loved it so hard, and here's the fruit that I'm able to give you with my life. Do you see your every day like this? And maybe you need to go back a few years, maybe some of us a lot more years than other, others, and go back to that five or six-year-old little boy or girl and go back to that parent or that figure in your life that you wanted nothing more to do than to just make them proud, right? Look, Dad, no hands. And you're looking for the approval of that person that's meant so much in your life. Like, it, it was about just getting the attention of that person in your life, mother, father, figure in your life that you've respected. And what if, and I propose, that that is what life is about. We get to walk through and work in this wonderful vineyard, and we get to toil away, and we get to smile, and we get to whistle. By the way, when I wash windows, when, you, when I whistle, it makes it so much more enjoyable. So whistle while you work. And every day, we get to lay down and go, God, look at this fruit. Look at this fruit. Look what we got to do today, God. Look at the hope we got to give these young school children today in your classes, teachers. Woo, woo. I don't know how you do it. I couldn't do that. Wherever we go, the joy is in what we do because we get to provide this fruit to Jesus. Amen. Thank God that he stood in the gap for us. What gap should you be standing in today? This is where that whole like just thing can hit us. As you evaluate where you've been, how you're living and what you're doing, what God's calling you today to do, maybe even this week, what gap should you be standing in today and maybe even this week? Yesterday I had a cool opportunity with Bill Jerky to go do this 5K fun run walk thing. We walked, it was a miracle we walked, amen. Bill had a huge surgery and we walked, it was great. Christ Community Church put it on. Awesome church, and, and it's for, it's for um, girls that were stuck in sex trade. And what, what's that? Yes, thank you, very good. We went and did that. And they've been doing it for, they've been doing it for 10 years, so this is their 10th annual whatever, and they have pictures of, of these young, young women along the way just to kind of remind her you remind ourselves why we were walking and raising money and stuff, and it was really, really good. And I thank you, I thank whoever started that, and I thank Christ Community Church for 10 years ago starting that as they're standing in the gap. They're like, no, not here, not now, not on this earth. Like, I'm standing the gap of that. I think of our ministry partnerships that we have. If you're one of our ministry's partnerships, Young Like FCA Crew, Youth for Christ, Waypoints, Dayspring, please stand up. We got two of y'all up in here. Three of y'all. Yeah, I said Dayspring. Would you, church, please applaud these men and women as they're standing in the gap? Thank you. You can say thank you. And all of their fundraisers coming up, so go and give lots of money. <laughs> but I guarantee there's gaps that you need to stand in this week, and I need to stand in this week. And I heard a guy this morning that reminded me that maybe your gap is you look around your block, man, and you see that your neighbor, they don't have a dad in their life. Guess what? You're the dad of that house. You're standing in that gap. Like, 
where do we have influence and where is God calling us to be there, to stand in the gap, to represent love and hope? Where is their need? And let's be that. That's the fruit that we get to provide and show to our Father. John 1, 11, 12, to wrap this up. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. That's what this parable is about. In verse 12, though, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. God, we believe you, we receive you, and we're your child. And because of that, we have hope, and we get to share that hope everywhere that we go. Hey, listen, I got all these things up here. These are pretty cool. You, you'll get them when you go to house churches, but, but this is something that we've made uh, at Church Project just to help us in relationships and, and discipleship. You spend time together, and there's three different cards. This one I, I'm going to hand out today. This is the book of John. And it's just a little cute little laminated card that is way too small. I cannot read, but you guys can. And there's, there's a way to study on the back through the book of John. And it talks about what John is on the front. And what these cards are used for is maybe there's someone in your life that's like, I don't know who God is. I don't really care. The, the book of John, have you ever been through it? Like, it is good. This guy's emotional. He's all over the place. And he can talk about who God is to someone who's like, there is no God. All right, I challenge you. Then let's for the next, you know, couple weeks, sit down together and go through the book of John. Here's a great outline. So what I'm going to do I don't know, should I pass these out or what? I should just put them in the back. If you want one of these, they're gonna be in the back and the challenge would be, hey, ask someone, a coworker, a friend, whatever it may be to go through the book of John with you because, man, they're gonna see Jesus and they do that. So that, that's some of these. Um, I'm also gonna talk about, here's some devotional cards that kind of help us go through devotions just individually, personally. Um, and then these are discipleship cards these are, these are to literally say, I'm going to be on one-on-one discipleship with someone, and we're going to commit to however many weeks to go through it together. And here's a great outline. Um, here's, here's what we're going to do with those. The only way you get those is by going to house church. Boom. Okay. Done. Better be in a house church. But we'll put the book of John back there so you guys can grab one on your way out because it's a really, really good tool. At the end of the day, here's what I know. Like, God is good. We get to live this life in his vineyard, and I pray that the fruits of what we say and what we do gives him glory, and it brings us much joy, because it brings God a lot of joy as he gets glory with our life. God, I pray over us today that we would be men and women that live on purpose, God, we, wish to, we, we wouldn't just accidentally walk through this life together, but we would live on purpose. Like, God, it would be a great joy to wake up and go to the places and spaces you, you've called us to be in. And then we would point others to you. And God, I pray that this fruit that our life produces gives you much joy and gives us much joy as we get to present it back to you. 
God, I pray over all of us in this room, and I pray over Church Project. I pray that we would be men and women that change Greeley, period, period. That the landscape, the, the economics, the spiritual life, everything of Greeley would change because we're here and we represent you. I pray that our industries would boom. I pray that we would be known around the world as something is happening in Greeley because you are alive and your church is alive. I pray that we would, we would hear you whisper amazing things and we would show the world how much you love the world. Continue to grow your church. Continue to grow us. Thank you so much for bringing us here today. Yeah. Church, I, I think if, if we would stand in this place, um, our house church pastors, if you would go to the side and come up here to the front during this, this song of worship here, I guarantee there's people that are going through some hard stuff. If you're a house church pastor, stand up and come over here. Go to the sides. If you're in this room today, you're going through hard stuff. You're stressed out. You're anxious. You need prayer or something. Maybe you just want to say something good that God did in your life, whatever it may be. Like, let's celebrate it in relationship as we give praise back to God. And so if you would, stand and let's worship. Come and pray and talk with any of our house church pastors. And this is good. Yeah.